Welcome investors to Global One Media's exclusive Stocks to Watch series. I'm Ashley Berry, and today we're very excited to welcome Giulio Bonifacio, Executive Chair and Director of Alta Copper. The company is focused on the development of its 100% owned advanced stage copper project in Peru. Actually, the second largest copper producer in the world is Peru. They're listed on the TSX Senior Board as ATCU and on the OTCQX as ATCUF. Julio, welcome. Thank you very much, Ashley, for having us on today. Yes, always excited to talk to you. But this is the first time we're meeting in 2024. So it'd be great if you could provide a brief overview of Alta Copper's flagship project, the Kenny Arco project, a very large project, I might add, and one hard to come by, as well as any other notable assets the company has as of early 2024. Thank you. Um, 2023 was, was very interesting for us in terms of you know, setting setting the stage for what is coming in, in 2024. <clears throat> Kenny Arco, and one of the reasons that, that I stepped in actively over about a year, year and a half ago, was looking at what's happening in the copper space um, and what I think will start to change here in a very significant way in the, in the coming months, but also appreciating that a, a project like this uh, and to replicate what we already sit on in terms of tonnage and, you know, our total Copper, copper equivalents north of 16 billion pounds on the back of limited drilling, 85,000 meters. Um, so we want to get back there and and drill it further. And so the focus in 23 was, you know, re-engage, get our drill permits. We've made that submission. We're looking to get approval on it, hopefully by Q1, Q2 at the latest. Now we can be very clear in, in mining and in anytime you're dealing with regulators, um, we can't completely control the timeline, but we we do feel that we can get to that point in, in the near term here. Um, secondly, what is probably the most significant catalyst of all will be the upcoming PEA. And we'll speak to that shortly. But uh, the company, because it's been in existence for a period of time, and the founder uh, of the company and started this company back in 2004, 2005 is Joanne Free. She's the president and CEO, uh, has over that period of time picked up some very, very interesting assets. Now, our primary focus, because it is the low-hanging fruit, is, is Kenny Arca, but We've got Erica Pay that, that that is very significant in terms of some of the past drilling. We'd like to go back in and drill that project further, but you know that's subject to funding, so you have to make some decisions in terms of capital allocation. So we'll, we'll always look at potential joint ventures option type scenarios on, on that project. There's a another project on Gavario that is under option. We get payments of up to five hundred thousand US. They have to drill it to the sum total of uh, 10,000 meters, but uh, for that, they would get a 60% interest. So that that is a, there's a timeline that, that expires in 2025. We fully expect them to take advantage of the opportunity. A very interesting project looks like it could be a, a very significant porphyry deposit, but it does warrant further drilling. And, you know, again, when you look at capital allocation for us, primary focus is County Arca for, for obvious reasons. Canyon Creek is a, a big project that that's sitting in, in Northern BC, Golden Triangle area, we think that there's an opportunity there as well. So we're gonna we're gonna monetize, create value for those separate projects. Um, in, in the ideal world, though, when valuations change and capital markets permitting, uh, we'd like to likely go back in and, and drill those projects ourselves. That would be our first choice. But at the end of the day, we've got to make some some decisions along the way. But when you look at the asset package, you look at the current valuation of this company, uh, which drew my attention to it, and I have written some big checks. Uh, continue to do so. I, I buy in the market. Um, Contrary to certain views on this, I just think this is a fantastic opportunity you know, in the copper development space. You can look at a lot of different projects, but in, in the background as well, 
Uh, we do have a very big, large supported shareholder that's a $70 billion company called Fortescue Metals. And so I think people should pay attention to what that potentially means at some point. If we execute on the project like we think we can, um, we know unequivocally that we're going to come out with a, an optimized PEA, and that'll be published sometime in March. I'll, I'll touch on that as well. Um, but there's just a number of significant events that will take place in 2024 uh, that that simply will support that we're executing at the project level, but by way of doing that, um, you know, continue on with the various discussions with strategic groups, other investors, inclusive or a large, large shareholder. And it's, you know, very clear your commitment to Alta Copper. Uh, you mentioned Kenny Arco is your, your primary focus. You already completed 3D geological modeling and started the metallurgical testing uh, for that deposit. Maybe you can provide more details about those milestones. I know, I believe that happened in 2023 and, and anything mm -hmm. that you uh, achieved uh, else that you'd like to add. Okay, well, let's talk about the, the 3D modeling, the drilling, and then we'll move right into a discussion on the preliminary economic assessment. I, get, I think it, it dovetails well enough. Um, as I became more involved and, you know, it wasn't lost on me that, you know, the company was was undercapitalized. And so, you know, every financing that the company's done has been at a significant premium to market. Last year at 72 cents, 50 cents, most recently at 50 cents, we're trading at about 35 to 40 cents in that range. Um, in the markets as a whole, it's not an excuse have, have come off uh, for copper developers due to the slowing growth in China. But, you know, if you look at the fundamentals for copper, you look at the EV decarbonization thematic, even if you weren't going to layer that in, I think um, structural deficit issues that are taking place within the copper space will drive copper prices to a certain level over a period of time. And, you know, ultimately it's about what projects can be brought on stream, you know, within the next five to 10 years. And this is definitely one of them. And to replicate the effort would be very difficult. but. When I looked at this, I'm a, a CPA finance guy. I've been mining all my life. I've been around geologists, engineers all my life. Um, I was very surprised to see that with the tonnage that we have, the grade that we have, it's, it's one of the in the top 10 relative to grade profile for an open pit. Um, when you look at that and you appreciate that it's only have 85,000 meters of drilling, that, that was very surprising to me. And the drilling stopped in 2013. They moved forward with a pre-feasibility study. They were going to move to feasibility study. And then... You know, they had to hit the brakes on everything because copper prices went, um, you know, into the $2, 225 range. But I was very keen on reactivating the, the, the drilling opportunity there. I think that's a fantastic way to create value. Um, this is arguably, it could be, could be subject to successful drilling, a, a generational resource. There's a reason that Fortescue stepped into this company, and that was one aspect of it. Looking at the opportunity, understanding that, you know, within Caniarco Norte, there is a, a porphyry system that's got good open extended depth. It's got lateral extent. You've got a secondary deposit, sir, that has had limited drilling, is already sitting on about 2.2 billion pounds of copper, gold, and, and silver, and moly. And then you have a third deposit called Verde that's got the same geological signatures that hasn't been drilled. So, you know, understanding the, the economics on this project, the preliminary economic assessment that we're going to put forth is critical in terms of establishing a baseline of value, but also appreciating that the drilling will create nothing but further value for all the stakeholders. So these things do take time in our space. Um, Peru has had a change in leadership based on the ousting of Castilla by way of an act of Congress. The person that stepped in is very pro-mining, and you can see that there's certain commentary on that. They do understand that Peru is the second largest copper producer on the planet. And one of the, the fair critiques is going through the regulatory process on permitting, et cetera, has been long and arduous. And Castillo, under his leadership, effectively 
broke the mold and didn't appreciate the opportunity that gets generated by multinationals coming in and, and, and generating projects that create wealth. Copper, gold, silver is a big driver of their economy, and they totally appreciate that. So wanting to get back in with the drill bit, very key. We expect to have, start in on that once we get the drill permit approved. The second part of that, which is also very, very important, and, and also what I see, what I saw as an opportunity was everyone speaks to community, 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 but doesn't appreciate that. That's that's a process that you have to manage appropriately with the community. We had a, a workshop as part of the submission of the drill permit. It went extremely well. We do think that we can get to a community agreement. Contrary to what the pundits say, there's many folks that that don't appreciate permitted permitting, they don't understand the regulatory requirements that go into these things. I'm not going to suggest for a second that it's simple, but it is a process that we can manage and move forward. And that's kind of the key point. You know, I have had success permitting a project in times past. It was a copper project. I have had success with my past two copper investments. This one, from my perspective, based on evaluation, has a real opportunity to, to increase a number of times above and beyond where it's currently trading at. Now, let's talk about the PA, if I could jump into that. Um, we looked at putting out a PA in 2022 that was based on a stage build showing how you could build it for less. Um, all the strategic groups we've spoken to, inclusive of our large shareholder, and I, I was also of that viewed to be very direct. This is a project that can produce north of 150,000 tons of copper per annum. The economics that you create in the first 10 years drive the model. And in this instance, the CapEx will go higher. It won't be astronomical, but it will go higher. We're blessed with soft rock, so we can process with one sag mill, two ball mills, look at 120,000 tons a day. That's the current configuration. Demonstrate very clearly that this is a project that moves a needle. Now, at the end of the day, executing on the project is a key point, both by way of the economics, the study work, the drilling. But ultimately, a project of this size, and most copper developers have the same dilemma, has to be acquired by a bigger company that has the balance sheet and the technical expertise on the execution mm -hmm. side. So, you know, when I speak to Fortescue and I speak to the opportunity that they potentially represent, I think that's something that investors really should pay attention to. There's a, a clear opportunity there. They've been very supportive. This is a small investment for them. Uh, if we have success with the drill bit, the PEA and, and all the other initiatives from community agreement, getting the DIA permit approved, uh, it all drives to a higher value. And, you know, since I've stepped on, it's really been more, how do we move away from some of the legacy investors that have fatigue, understandably so, and, and, and aren't happy because maybe they paid the equivalent of 2 to $3 a share. Um, my job is to, to step into this, work with Joanne Fries, work with the team, and, and also enhance value on a go-forward basis. But, um, you know, in simple terms, there's a reason that, that I'm buying stock. There's a reason that my associates and other investors are interested. Uh, there are folks that are selling the, the, the stock as well, but you know, over a period of time, one thing that has to be focused in on is no matter what percentage Fortescue has, and in this instance, it's 30%. They've done a financing of 50 cents, which was about a 40% premium to market. We raised a modest amount. No matter what happens in terms of their ownership, they still have to buy out the remaining shareholders. So it's really about bringing in remaining shareholders that appreciate value. And, you know, I think I've got a good handle on what this looks like. For example, with this upcoming PEA that we're going to put out, and I can't speak to it openly, but but it's going to be very, very robust, both pre-tax, post-tax. It's going to show a production profile that will be of interest to many, many majors. It will be of interest to Fortescue and other strategic groups that we're in discussions with. But, you know, the NPV on, on that 
And even if you looked at the NPV that we put out a couple of years ago, $1 billion, your typical discount is 0.2 to 0.3 of, of NAV. That would mean that our market cap should be closer to 300 million. And so I'll close off on the point that we know the NPV will be significantly greater than that. I can signal that, message that based on what we currently see. The production profile will be of significance. It's not a small producing asset when it's ultimately built. So it will have a significant impact. The upside on the resource as well um, really demonstrates why there's a glaring opportunity. And you know, when you look at valuation and our modest market cap of about $35 million, what's the likelihood of, of an Alta Copper multiplying by five to 10 times? Is there a possibility of that happening? I think there is. Again, that's against the backdrop of the market. Mm -hmm. um, timing, you know, again, those that are patient will appreciate that things do take time. We delayed the PEA for good reason. We were able to add further value to, to the proposition, if you will. Got some critique for it, which was unfounded. And again, simply put, if you look at the context of the market in 2023 and the ability for us to add further value to it by way of things that we've uncovered by way of the work with uh, Senko and Whittle Consulting perfectly justifies why putting it out at, at, at sometime in March or maybe early April is exactly what should be done. And, and that's going to be a precursor to valuation. So I think there's a real opportunity on this one to, to leverage up in a significant way, but that's based on you know, the value proposition executing on the project. And you know, without a doubt, I always look at these things, you have to identify two to three to four strategic things that you want to achieve, objectives. And, and so we've got three coming, three to four, in, in simple terms, the approval on the on the, the, the drill permit, community agreement, PEA, and drilling. Even if we execute on one, two, or three of those, we're going to have a fantastic year. And then, you know, presenting this to more like-minded investors that appreciate the opportunity, I think, is a big, big point of all this. And the gyrations of the capital markets, they do what they do. But um, I always try, try to use an example. If you look at the uranium space and how difficult that's been for uranium companies for such a long period of time. And you look at the valuations that they're currently seeing. I mean, that's a perfect example of what happens when a generalist investor starts to appreciate that, hey, we need more copper. And we do. We need more copper specifically for the needs of our planet. But if you layer in EV, and albeit that transition may take longer than anticipated, you look at decarbonization, um, even that, if that takes a bit longer, as that layers in, as those copper prices start to drive further, you know, and, and that simply adds value to opportunities like Catanarco and Alta Copper, simply because we're already sitting on what is a significant resource. And you know, my comparison to the other copper developers is, yeah, we're grossly undervalued, but we have a project that's likely bigger, mm -hmm. demonstrate that it's bigger with economics that are better than many of them. And so, and then you talk about jurisdiction. Well, Peru is a good place to be, albeit it's had some challenges, but that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the situation. And all parts of the world from all of South America and certain jurisdictions within, but also the American Southwest and British Columbia and Alaska. There's just challenges. And so we are in a good location in Northern Peru. We have a large community, but you know, by all accounts, they're very supportive. And if anything, um, and it's worth touching on, they have not seen the benefit of this project and our involvement for a number of years out of starting to change. And that's a big part of you know establishing a good working relationship with the community so they appreciate completely that we're not trying to displace them we're not trying to do anything other than what will benefit them on a longer term basis 
Yeah, and the credibility of your company. You know, several takeaways in listening to you, Julio. I think, you know, when you talk about the PEA, you talk about the community engagement, involvement, and support, but you also mentioned government support, uh, which which is obviously going to help you propel forward. Um, you know, any anything you'd like, any, any other things that you'd like our shareholders, uh, potential shareholders to hear, to take away from this conversation? Why copper? Why Alta copper? And why now? I think why copper, I touched on that, it really gets back to structural deficit on the, on the supply side. You look at Cobra Panama that suspended that, that obviously will facilitate that further within a shorter timeline. And you look at the transition into, into green and you look at the EV thematic as a whole. I think that transition does take longer. I think there's got to be a better appreciation for the build out of the existing infrastructure. And a lot of smart people in their space speak to that. Uh, you can't have every electrical car plug in and expect us to service that by way of our existing power grid. So I think we all point to that over a period of time. I think when you look at critical metals, copper should be on top of that list without a doubt. But also bear in mind that even without that layering, that impact, just based on, on deficit itself, it will drive higher over a period of time. You look at the project itself, it's got size, it's got magnitude. The economics we're going to put out are going to be, in my estimation, uh, very robust. Of course, look at the cautionary language. Any chair or CEO has to speak to forward-looking observations. That's a forward-looking observations. Don't rely on it. Do your own homework. But, you know, if you look at the previous economics done on this project, you appreciate that, you know, we already demonstrated that we could produce north of 300 million pounds of copper per annum. We already know in order of magnitude what the capex should look like and appreciate that we are making very, very good gains with the community and also on the regulatory side, advancing the, the, the permit. And those are very critical points. And to close off the, the drilling that, that, that follows on, uh, subject to funding, of course, I think we've been methodical on the financing side, you know, rather than raise money at a discount to market and include a, a warrant, oddly you had some commentary on our bulletin boards that suggested that that was not a good move. I'm a bit surprised by that. Bearing in mind, there's one simple take-home message. Regardless of their percentage of ownership, we are, of course, talking to other strategic groups. But if we're able to advance a discussion with them to a, a, to a point where they wanted to acquire the company, they still have to acquire the remaining shares held by folks like myself, the directors, officers, and other shareholders. And so I think people need to adjust their thinking about what this represents, both by way of the project, but also the opportunity. and you know, when I spoke about the other copper developers, none of them truly have a captive, not captive is not probably the right word to use, but a very engaged, large shareholder. And we're not talking to middle management at that group. And they're a company that is of significant size. And they've been very vocal about the fact that they want to move into critical metals and they've looked at copper projects. And fortunately for us, they've been nothing but supportive. We've also added a director that, that comes from their team that's a very senior individual on the execution side. So, you know, folks, and some of the past shareholders this is directed to spend some time, appreciate what the opportunity is, but excuse me, don't, don't expect share prices to climb up dramatically unless there's a good reason for it. And so on the project side, but that is also influenced by the market. And don't lose sight of that. That's not an excuse. That's just reality. I've been in this space for 30 years. Timing is everything. You work hard 80% of the time, you make most of your money 20% of the time. That's just reality. That works in production, that works in anything. So putting the time in, having the commitment, and executing on the project, I think is a key, key driver for this company as we move forward. 
Excellent points. We are so excited to see what 2024 brings for you, Giulio Bonifacio, Executive Chair, Director of Alta Copper, trading on the TSX Senior Board again as ATCU. Always a pleasure to speak with you, and we're excited to share more updates with our audience. Thanks again, Giulio. Thank you so much, Ashley. It was uh, very enjoyable having that time to chat with you.